All right, brothers and sisters, it is time to take out our Bibles together. And I ask that you take out a copy of Scripture and turn with me to Ephesians 4. And here in just a moment, we will read verse 25 together, which will serve as our text today. Ephesians 4, verse 25. But as you get there, I want to point out something about the section that we're in. So look with me in that text, Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to point out something about verses 25 through 32 as it will affect our next few weeks here on Sunday mornings. The sermons over the next month or so are going to be from this passage, verses 25 through 32. In this passage, Paul tells us very practically how we are to put off the old self and put on the new self, which we talked about last week. Remember from last week, verse 22 of chapter 4, Paul tells us to put off your old self. And verse 24, put on your new self. That was last week's sermon. And then he takes verses 25 through 32 and just very practically walks it out. Here's a bunch of ways that you are to put off this old self, your life of sin. And here's a bunch of ways you're supposed to put on this new self in Christ. And because he's kind of uh, giving them one after another, and they're very practical, and some of them are not necessarily related to one another except for the fact that they're putting off the old self and putting on the new, we're going to take each one in turn because they're just different topics. So if you'll, you'll look there in your text, this week the text is verse 25, and it's all about lying and honesty. But next week we'll be doing verses 26 and 27, Lord willing, talking about anger. The week after that, verse 28, talking about stealing and theft. And then after that, we'll be going to verse 29, which is all about godly speech. And then finally, we'll wrap it all up with verses 30 through 32, which is kind of a conclusion to it all. And so you see there how these are commandments, very practical commandments on how we are to put off the old self and to put on the new. And so since he does kind of four right in a row there, we're going to do four sermons, one on each topic. It's a good opportunity for us to discuss these topics of holiness in our personal lives. And so let's read our text this week, verse 25. Verse 25 will be the only verse for our text this week. And this is God's word through the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put off the old self of lying and falsehood and put on the new self of speaking the truth to one another. We're actually helped out in this by what you might call the parallel verse in Colossians. One of the things that it's helpful to know as a Bible student, there are some books of the New Testament that go really well together. They, they, they're almost parallel books of the Bible. Of course, all four Gospels are like that. We understand that. But books like Second Peter and Jude are so closely related if you take a read-through of both and then see all of the ways that they, they, they have things in common. Two books that are also closely related, almost parallel books, are Ephesians and Colossians. When you read through both books, maybe on one, one, sit, one sitting, one read-through, you'll see that there's just a, a ton of ways that they're 
parallel and similar in all kinds of the same things that they talk about. Paul must have written these books right around the same time. He must have written these books with around the same circumstances and then just sit them out into two different directions. But the parallel verse to this in Colossians is Colossians 3.9. Listen to what it says. Listen to how closely it relates. Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Do not lie to one another. You've put off that old self. So don't lie. That's what we're talking about this week. And so here in our text in verse 25 of chapter 4 of Ephesians... There's kind of three parts to it, and that's how we'll organize the sermon today. Number one, put away falsehood. Number two, speak the truth. And number three, we are members one of another. So number one, we need to talk about that first imperative command, put away falsehood. Put away falsehood. Have you ever heard the little, I don't know, tease, poem, so to speak, that kids used to say to each other, and maybe, maybe you've said it, to somebody yourself, liar, liar, pants on fire, right? I, I can't tell you how tempting it was to just call the sermon liar, liar, pants on fire. I just didn't think it was appropriate. I don't know. But the whole thing goes liar, liar, pants on fire, hanging on a telephone wire. Well, did you know that that little rhyme, that little tease actually comes from an 1810 poem by the great poet William Blake called The Liar? Now, written in much more sophisticated English than that, this poem starts off as follows. See if you can note the similarities. Deceiver, dissembler, your trousers are alight. From what pole or gallows shall they dangle in the night? Can you imagine kids using that language to tease one another? Right? Somebody lies. Deceiver, dissembler, your trousers are alight. Right? No, we're not going to say it like that. But that's where it comes from, believe it or not. We used to say things like that as kids to each other. Liar, liar, pants on fire. But when I was a kid, I don't know about you, when I was a kid, I found out that lying could get me things. When I was a kid, I found out that lying could get me stuff. Like, for example, it could get you out of trouble. Lying could get you out of trouble. Lying had its advantages. When I was younger, my sisters and I were running around in the basement and we were playing some game. Pretty young at this point. I have two younger sisters, by the way. My middle sister's name's Mackenzie. My youngest sister's name's Callie. And we were running around in the basement, and I knocked over a lamp and broke it. My mom, being home at the time, came down and started questioning us. And I said, Callie broke the lamp. Well, at this point in our lives, you need to know this, my, my youngest sister's four years older, or four years younger than me. She desperately wanted to fit in with me and Mackenzie. Just desperately wanted to fit in with us. Well, my mom set her down, looked her square in the eye and said, Callie, did you break that lamp? And she broke out into tears and said, yes. And I was like behind my mom just cheering and just trying to hold it in. I could not believe it. I, I lied and then I, I just completely got away with this. I got out of trouble. She took the rap for me. Or I learned that it could get you admiration among your friends. And so in elementary school, I would talk about my home life, my family life, especially my extended family. And if you exaggerated the truth a little bit, if you talked about how you had all this, all this stuff, you had rich relatives, you had all, all of these things in your family, people would admire you. And I was, I was lying. I remember being in Sunday school. 
in Sunday school, one of my friends told a story about the weekend, I guess, and he said, my dad got an eight-point deer this weekend, an eight-pointer. And I didn't want to be outdone and wanted everybody to pay attention to me, so I said, well, my dad got a 20-pointer. And I seem to remember it not being very long at all before the, the Sunday school teacher got me in trouble for lying, knew right, right away. And that was in Sunday school. But these are some of the typical reasons why we lie, is it not? Why we lie. We want to make everyone think we are better than we actually are. We lie to get ahead. We lie to score a better deal or to save a few bucks. We lie to save face. Or maybe we even lie to bring down someone that we are competing with or we are envious of. Sometimes we might not consider the fact that we are lying. We might not think of it as lying, and yet we are stretching the truth, exaggerating the truth, spinning it into our favor, or hiding it. All of which are really just lying if we are being honest with whom? With ourselves. Ultimately, we lie because we're selfish. Ultimately, we lie because we are selfish. Because we care about ourselves more than we care about other people. And if I am the most important person in my universe, well then, of course, I will lie every now and then if it is to my advantage. If I am the most important person in my universe. Listen to what Jesus says about lying in John 8. 44. Listen to how strong these words are. John 8, 44, Jesus is speaking to some Jews who are with him. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Did you hear that? Satan is a liar and a father of lies. He speaks out of his own character when he is lying. In other words, it's his native language, right? He doesn't tell the truth. He lies. That's his default. And so my question today, in light of what Jesus said right there, my question to all of us today is, who is your father? Because what did Jesus say to the Jews? You are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. Who is your father today? Those who are children of God, their will is to do God's will. But those whose will, whose desire is to lie and deceive, Jesus says they are of their father, the devil. Every time we lie, it is because we are believing Satan's lies. And I I could submit to you today that it's because we are believing Satan's one big lie. Satan has one big overarching lie that's over all of the other lies. And it's this. You will be happier if you sin than if you obey God. There's more happiness in disobeying God than there is in obedience to him. 
This is exactly what he told Adam and Eve. This is exactly what he was trying to get them to believe, right? He got them to question God's word. Did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? And then he asks them, and then he tells them, he says, no, no, God's holding out on you. For he knows that when you eat of it, you will become like him, knowing good and evil. His whole purpose was to get them to believe the lie that happiness is to be found not in obedience to God, but in disobedience. That you can find more happiness apart from God than with him. It's the greatest lie in the history of the world. And every time we lie, we're believing that. Every time we tell a lie, we think even for just this moment, I can have a greater happiness not in telling the truth, not in obeying God, not in living according to the will of my father. But in lying, in disobedience, I can have a greater happiness here, even just for a moment. We're believing Satan's lie. Doing what God wants you to do will harm you. It won't make you happy. Satan is in the business of convincing people God is out to kill your joy. God is out to keep you from having fun. God just doesn't want you to have a happy life. God just doesn't want you to have a fun life. It's exactly what he did to Adam and Eve. And the world's believed it. The world has, has just swallowed that lie. That we can have more happiness apart from God than with him. And it's a complete deception. Satan works in all kinds of different ways in this world. He works by, by tempting people to sin. He works by introducing suffering into all kinds of places. He works through his demons in many ways, but the greatest way that Satan works in the world today is through deception. Getting people to believe lies. That is what he does. That is his native language. He is the father of lies. And so will you be of Satan, of your father the devil, as Jesus said, or will you be of your father in heaven, which is where we come to our second kind of section in this verse. Having put away falsehood, let's speak the truth. Speak the truth to one another. I had a teaching moment with my kids the other day, and don't want to get into details, but it all boiled down to this, the, a, a big question that I asked them to try to help them understand. When is the most important time to tell the truth? Now, I know it's important to tell the truth all the time, but when is the most important time to tell the truth? And the answer is this, when you don't want to. When you don't want to. Why? Because that is the moment when you are tempted to listen to Satan, to the father of lies. It's kind of like Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 saying, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Everybody does that. If you tell the truth when it's easy, what reward are you going to get? Everybody does that. Do you tell the truth when you don't want to? Do you tell the truth when it's hard? Because little lies now lead to big lies later. Young people especially, you need to learn this lesson. Teenagers especially need to learn this lesson. Little lies now lead to big lies later. But if you tell the truth when it's hard now, if you tell the truth when it hurts you now, in small things, those small things won't become big things. You're training your heart. You're training your conscience 
And you're also training other people to know if they can trust you or not. But it all comes back to that question, who is your father? If we don't want Satan as our father, then we're we're pursuing to be children of God. God is our father. And truth-telling is essential for us if God is our father because we are image-bearers of him. We are children of him, children of God. And who is God? Let's just think about his character for a second. How are we showing forth God's image if we tell the truth? What is his character like? Well, the Bible tells us that God never lies. Numbers 23, 19, God says, I am not a man that I should lie. I'm not a man. I don't lie like men. Or Titus 1, 2, it says, God never lies. It also says in Hebrews 6, 18, that it's impossible for God to lie. It's not even possible. Right? If he lied, he would cease to be God, and then the world would cease to exist, right? It's not even possible for God to lie. God's very nature, we learn in the Bible. God's very nature is truth. Jesus says in John 17, in his high priestly prayer for his disciples, sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. In Romans 3, verse 4, Paul says that God would still be true even if every man were found to be a liar. God would still be true. The gospel is the truth that saves. It's the truth that sets you free. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so telling the truth is shining forth the image of God. To be an image bearer of God means we must be acting like God. We must be showing other people who our father is like. And to show them that we need to tell the truth because God is the truth. God never lies. And lying is the exact opposite. Lying is imitating Satan, the father of lies. But let's go a little bit deeper. We see that, okay, we want to be truth tellers because God is our father and we bear his image. But how do I get the power to tell the truth? Where do I find the freedom to tell the truth, especially when it's hard, especially when it's going to hurt me? And the answer is very simple, but very powerful. The power and the freedom to tell the truth comes from the cross. It comes from Jesus' death on the cross. How can I admit my failures and my sins? How can I tell the truth when it hurts me? Well, the cross. Because at the cross, because of the cross, if you're a Christian, you are forgiven and free and accepted in God. Because of Jesus' death. Fully forgiven. Fully free. Fully accepted. And so there is no need to fudge the truth. There is no need to make yourself look better than you already are. Or to hide your flaws. Because of Jesus' death, you cannot put yourself in any better standing with God than you already are. Do you understand that? You can't be any more accepted. You can't be any more loved. You can't be any more forgiven than you already are in Christ with God. You can't be. And so that's the freedom to tell the truth. That's the freedom to let other people in on my insecurities. That's the freedom to let people see I've made a mistake. And I've, I've actually done something that makes me look not as good as you thought I was. Well, guess what? Of course I'm not as good as you think I am. Why? Because you don't know all the ins and outs of me. Right? I, I had someone say this to me the other day. Do you guys know me? 
Some people would say, yeah, yeah, we, we know John, you, you know him, right? Well, do you know what I do with my spare time in my living room at night? Do you really know me, right? Take that a step further. If you think that, that I am, am some righteous person walking around, you really don't know me. And all of us, that's true for all of us, right? People don't really know us unless they know the insecurities, unless they know the the failures, unless they know the sins, because just by human nature, we have this tendency to put on a front. We have this tendency to make people think we're better than we are. The cross takes that out of us. The cross gives us the freedom to say, this is me and it's not that attractive, but I'm accepted in God and I'm forgiven in God. And that's all that matters. It's all that matters. When we've been there for 10,000 years in heaven with God, we will not care that some people didn't think well of us on the earth. We will not care that we didn't have a better reputation here. Unless, of course, it was because people didn't trust you or people didn't think you were an image bearer of God. We will not care that we were not accepted among the world. Jesus said the world will hate you. Jesus said the world hates him. The world hated him. And why did it hate him? Because he told the truth. The world hated him because he told the truth. Jesus said in John 7, 7, the world hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. The world hates Jesus and it hates him because he tells the truth. We find the freedom and the power to tell the truth at the cross. Since we have everything in Christ, we don't need to spend our life trying to gain advantages for ourselves. In Christ, we have everything. We have an inheritance from the richest being in the the entire universe coming to us. And so we are freed to give all glory to God and to work for the good of others. The cross of Christ empowers us to tell the truth even when it hurts. And you can even apply this to a different kind of truth-telling when it hurts. Telling the truth to someone else when the truth might hurt them. It says speak the truth to one another. Not just meaning those times when you're trying to lie about yourself, to protect yourself, to make yourself look better. What about those times when you know you need to say something that's true to a brother or sister in Christ, but it might hurt them, might hurt their feelings. It's a hard truth that needs to be said in love. How can I tell someone else a truth like that when it might hurt or offend them? Well, it's because God told us the truth when it was what we needed to hear. He loved us by showing us our sin and condemnation. God did not act like we were fine. And so if you truly love someone, you tell them the truth. You don't avoid it. You don't say nothing if something needs to be said in love. It's not love to just act like everything is fine when it's not. That's fake love. And that's what the world is peddling today. The world is peddling fake love. Fake love means you have to accept and affirm and celebrate whatever a person does with their life. But it's not real love. It's just not wanting to offend. And that's not always real love. The world is full of fake love. Created by a culture full of people who cannot take criticism. A culture full of people who are so insecure that saying anything against them is an attack 
or an aggression. You must be dangerous. You must be a hate-filled person if you would suggest that my lifestyle is wrong. This is fake love. It's not real love. Real love tells us what we need to hear. That's what God did for us. That's what Jesus did to the world. Some couldn't accept it, but some were broken over it, and it led to salvation. Jesus tells us the truth. You are condemned in your sin unless you repent and believe the gospel. That's the truth. You are condemned. The world will hang on some of Jesus' words because they think that by those words they are freed to live a life of sin. You remember John 3.16? All of us remember that, that scene where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world. Right after that, John 3.16, verse 17, Jesus said to Nicodemus, For God did not send the Son of Man into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. A lot of people love that verse, right? Jesus didn't come to condemn. You can't say my lifestyle is sinful. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, right? What they don't include is the very next verse, verse 18. John 3, 18, where Jesus says that anyone who does not believe in Jesus Christ is condemned already. The reason Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world is because the world was condemned already. John 3, 18. By default, we are condemned under the wrath of God. We need Christ to bring us out of that. We need Christ to save us. And if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't give our life to Christ, we remain in that default state of being condemned. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. That had already stands condemned without Christ. Jesus is the only way people can get out of that condemnation. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to be reconciled to God. Jesus faced up to our sin. He faced up to the truth, and he told the truth, and it cost him. Now, I want to move on quickly to the third kind of phrase that we're looking at in verse 25, Notice how he says, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We are members of one another. Do you notice how in that verse, being members of one another is the ground that Paul gives for us telling the truth? It's the ground. He uses the word for. That little word for is essential there. Why are we supposed to put away falsehood? Why are we supposed to speak truth one another? Because, or for, we're members of one another. We're members of the same body. We're members of the body of Christ together. Unbelievers lie to each other. Unbelievers lie to each other. Why? Well, Because they're looking out for number one. And as we said, if I am the most important person in my universe... Of course, I will lie when it is to my advantage. But if I'm in a body of Christ, in the body of Christ, we have something greater than self. In the body of Christ, we have a collective identity. We are the family of God together. If it were just every man for himself, if it were just each person acting as an isolated unit from everyone else, then sure, lie away. Do whatever it takes to gain an advantage for yourself. But if we are members of one another, if we are members of one another, 
then when you lie, it hurts that other person. And if you hurt that other person, you hurt the entire body. Scripture says when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And so there is a sense in which if you are a believer, if you are part of the body of Christ, when you lie to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're hurting yourself. You're doing this to yourself because you're part of the same body. You lie to yourself, you lie to others, and you, you hurt yourself to your own detriment because we are members of one another in the same body of Christ. When one part suffers, we all suffer. The unity of the body of Christ is sacred. The unity of the body of Christ is sacred. It was bought with the highest price imaginable, the blood of Jesus. And therefore, it is an especially wicked sin to sow division in the body of Christ. And lying is doing just that. When we lie to one another, we do just that. Brothers and sisters, you might not jive with another member of the church. You might be able to think of a few members of the church like, I just really don't get along with them all that well. We're not hanging out all the time. Fine. But that's your brother and sister in Christ. And because that's your brother and sister in Christ, you owe them this kind of behavior. Because you owe it to not just them, but to the body as a whole. The body is not a body without each individual members. You say, I didn't stand up to the church and lie to the church. No, no, you lied to the body of Christ by lying to one member of the body of Christ. Speak the truth to one another, brothers and sisters. For the good of the body, for the glory of Christ, for the image of God shining forth in our actions and in our deeds. With Christ as our head and the knowledge that I am just one among many members of the body of Christ, we have an identity and a truth that anchors us to honesty. It anchors us to honesty. When we don't want to tell the truth, we are brought back by the anchor. We are not swept away by the wind of the temptation to lie. We're brought back by that anchor that we are part of a body of Christ and we are, we are members of one another and therefore we must treat one another as Christ would treat us. We must tell the truth to one another especially when we are tempted to lie. Tell the truth, especially when you don't want to. Ultimately, this points us to Jesus. We've already seen how it points to the cross because the power and the freedom to tell the truth comes from the cross. But remember Ephesians 4.21. Look back there with me. Ephesians 4.21, at the end it says, The truth is in whom? truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. Remember, John said Jesus is the one who came full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Jews of his day, my testimony is true. And it says in him there is no falsehood. He told the Pharisees that he could not lie and say that he did not know God. He could not lie and say that he did not come from God. And he actually said, if I did, I would be a liar like you. But he's not. He is the one who speaks truth. And in fact, Jesus is the ultimate example of one who speaks the truth at the greatest personal cost to himself. 
Speak the truth even when it hurts you, right? Speak the truth especially when it's going to hurt you. That's the most important time to do it as humans. But our greatest example of this is Jesus, who spoke the truth to the ultimate cost, to the greatest personal cost. It cost him his life. Speaking the truth cost him his life. And he calls us to do the same, to speak the truth even when it hurts. Jesus, in Revelation 3, is called the true one. In Revelation 19, when it gives us a picture of Jesus returning in victory and glory, his name is faithful and true. Jesus is where the truth is. The truth is in Jesus. And so let this sermon and this text about honesty not just point you to a moralistic way to to do right. We can do that in church sometimes. We can be moralistic in the way that we teach. We can say, the Bible says lying's bad, so don't lie. We can end it there. We, we can sometimes come at these commandments in a way that you could have preached that sermon just as much in a, a, a Muslim mosque or a Jewish synagogue and they would have agreed with everything you said. Why is it specifically Christian? Because the cross gives us the power and the freedom to tell the truth. Only in the cross are we free in Christ and free in front of God and accepted and loved. And our greatest example of speaking the truth to the ultimate personal cost is Jesus who gave his life and he was killed for it because he spoke the truth. Let's end it there. Right now, I'd like to take a a few moments as we do every week for us to pray silently. And this time is a time we give to you to respond to the Lord in whatever way that he has laid on your heart. Get honest with God. That's what this time is for. To be opened before the Lord. He can already see everything that's inside of us anyway. He already knows all of the desires. He already knows all of the intents of our heart. But let's give him our honesty willingly this morning. And so this prayer time is a time for us to respond to God, every single one of us, privately and individually. After we do that in prayer, we'll come back and we'll have a time where those who need to respond to God's word in a public manner can do so. Let's pray.